Amen. I praise the Lord for the message of that song. He is my defender. He is my shepherd. He is my all in all. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 11. And look with me at verse number 25. Matthew, chapter number 11, and verse number 25. I'm going to look at a particularly, probably familiar passage of Scripture and, uh, and yet I hope that from these words that we can uh, gain strength and help and also be admonished from the Lord Jesus by what He is saying. Matthew chapter number 11, look at verse number 25. It's almost as though we are breaking into a moment in which we overhear Jesus praying because in these first few verses He is speaking to His Father in prayer. And along verse 28, he then seems to turn and address the people around him. But look with me at Matthew 11 and verse number 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man, uh, any man the Father save the Son, and he whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Look at verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we've done a couple of times since this year, a calendar year has come around, I want to focus on a, a parable or, or maybe what we would call a similitude of Jesus. He's making a comparison. He's telling, explaining truth by using an illustration. And I want to talk to you this morning about the parable of the yoke and the burden. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I am so thankful that I have you in me. The mystery of all mysteries, how that through the gospel of faith in the Lord Jesus, I have the unique position of being myself in you and you being in me. Thank you for that truth. And God, I pray that as we look at this parable, this similitude that is before us today, I pray that you would remind us of the uniqueness of this relationship, this new relationship of the family of God by the Spirit of Christ being yoked to you. God, I pray that these familiar verses would become so real in our hearts and lives and call us to, to that earnest, uh, uh, heartfelt desire to be yoked up with you, to find that rest in you that we so desperately need as we pull with you, as we serve alongside you by your strength. Father, help us this morning. Father, I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. 
You know, the cross of, of Jesus Christ is probably the one most recognizable symbol of the Christian church or Christianity in general. Crosses are on steeples atop churches. The, they cover hymnals. They're worn around necks. They're as lapel, lapel pins. They stand as an awesome reminder of all that Jesus has suffered for us. Jesus himself talked about a cross in both the means of redemption and in discipleship. In redemption, you know how he told Nicodemus, as the Son of Man, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's obvious he's talking about the cross there. That is our redemption. But then he also told his disciples to take up their cross and to follow Jesus. It is, it is, um, it is a, a symbol of the Christian faith. But Jesus also used other symbols of Christian commitment. And one of those is in this text. It's contained here. Now, when I'm talking about in verse number 29 and 30, the word yoke. He says, my yoke. My yoke in both of these instances. Do you know what he's talking about? What a yoke is? Uh, a yoke is a wooden harness that ties two animals together to pull a load or a wagon. Although yokes are not usually painted on church buildings or printed as hymnal covers or, or, or worn as jewelry, I think perhaps they should be. For the yoke, as much as the cross, is a symbol of personal trust and lasting commitment to Jesus Christ our Lord. In his book, The Complete Disciple, Paul W. Powell elaborates on the cross and the yoke. Listen to what he says. The cross and the yoke symbolize for us two different aspects of commitment. The cross is an instrument of death. The yoke is an instrument of toil. The cross is a symbol of sacrifice. The yoke is a symbol of service. The cross suggests blood. The yoke suggests sweat. To be committed to Jesus Christ means that we are ready for either the yoke or the cross. Both of them are essential parts of the Christian life. In this very brief parable, or, or like I said, more like a similitude. Jesus, remember the parable of the tree that we looked at a few weeks ago? He elaborated quite a bit. This is more of a similitude, something that are things that are similar, and he says it in passing. So I don't think we can qualify it as a lengthy parable, but as a similitude. But in as with parables, similitudes, they teach a lesson. And in this one, they teach us a lesson about salvation and submission. A lesson about surrender and service. You know, you and I need to know that we are created to serve. In the Garden of Eden, when God first created Adam, He created him to tend the garden, to labor and toil in the garden, to serve in a certain capacity. And so we are created. We're going to serve something in this life. 
we're going to, or could possibly be uh, that many people serve Satan. Oh, they may not wear pentagrams on their forehead or anything like that and dress up with horns, but the reality is they serve Satan in being rebellious toward God. They are the servants of Satan. Uh, many people serve themselves in living a life for simple pleasures and passions, living solely for their life. They serve themselves. Or, many people, like I hope you and I are, we serve under the yoke of Jesus Christ, which he speaks about here in this text. And so I want us to look at this little parable, this little similitude, and draw out three important truths about salvation and service to the Lord Jesus. Both of them are here together. Notice, first of all, when we come to 28 through 30 here, I want you to see, first of all, I want you to hear the invitation in this parable. The invitation. You know, before we dive into the parable directly, I, I want us to see the preface of the parable. This is an invitation. An invitation from Jesus. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way in which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know that is ingrained in all of humanity. To the natural man, it just seems right that if one wanted to get to God, then they must do something to appease God. I mean, you look at any number of pagan religions or any, any number of religions in the world, that is the foundation of what they rest all of their religion on. These certain deeds that bring pleasure to their gods. But according to the Bible, that is getting, that is getting the cart before the horse. Because if you look at the structure, the first thing we are to do is to come to Christ, then take on the yoke of labor. God tells us that the first thing we are to do is to come to Him. We must respond to His invitation. And notice the direction of those invited. Verse number 28, come unto me, come unto me. Before we put forth His parabolic pearl of teaching, Jesus is inviting them to come to Him. Come to Jesus. He did not say come to God because no man can come to God. In our natural sinful state, you and I cannot come to God. We are only granted access to God by the blood of Jesus Christ, which He shed on the cross. And so Jesus has every right to say, Come unto me first and foremost. Come, not to me, the pastor, but come unto Jesus first and foremost. He did not tell us to come to a path to walk in because Jesus is the path, He is the way. He did not tell us, tell us to come to a certain truth. Why? Because Jesus 
is the truth. He did not tell us to come to a certain life or a certain lifestyle. He said, why? Because He is life. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The first step is not toward living a life as a Christian. The first step is to not knowing a biblical truth. The first step is to come to Jesus. To come to Jesus alone. If we're going to live for Jesus, if we're going to have the life of a believer with all of its promises and principles, all of its precepts and pleasures of knowing God and worshiping God, all the confidence that comes and knowing uh, the God of the Bible and having relationship with Jesus Christ and our eternity for sure, then it must start with coming to Jesus first. This is salvation. Salvation is not a prayer Salvation is not a magic formula. Salvation is a person. Come to Jesus. Your service for God is unacceptable without the sanctifying and purifying work of God's grace in your life. I don't care how many hospitals you build, how many churches you build, how many orphanages you support. It is worthless. It is filthy, rotten rags without the person of Jesus. First and foremost, come to Jesus. He's the direction of the invitation. Not only that, the designation of the invitation. Come unto me. Look at this. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. Jesus invited all. There is not one left out. There is not one living, breathing person on this planet that is not bidden, that is not commanded, that is not invited to come to Jesus. No sin too black to exclude you. No situation too bleak to cancel an audience with Him. No separation too vast to prevent you from coming into His presence. Years ago, I was at a place of work, and in the break room there, I went in for my fourth or fifth cup of coffee, I've had to scale back since then, but I come in there for my coffee. And someone had posted on the refrigerator an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper right there on the refrigerator where you couldn't miss it. And it was an invitation to a wedding of someone that is a higher up there at the company. They were, their, their child was getting married and they put an invitation. It's not like they sent it in the mail and says, please let me know how many are coming, you know. You know what I'm saying there? They didn't, they didn't have people RSVP. They just put a blatant sign out there. Anybody that sees this sign, come to the wedding. Now, honestly, I'm thinking about weddings a lot these days, and, and that's one of the hurdles is, is who can come and who can't because uh, budgets are a problem when it comes to weddings. You can only feed uh, so many, I, I couldn't put a sign up there inviting anybody in their brother, brother because I wouldn't have enough barbecued smoked sausages and Kool-Aid to go around. But Jesus said, All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus says, Come to me. 
The, the message of the gospel to be preached to the world is come to Jesus. You, come to Jesus. That's the first step. That's the most important step. It's the direction. It's the designation. Come, you, come to Jesus. And thirdly, the description. You know, this, this designation of all has with it a description. Notice the invitation is garnished with the description of the attendees. It says, all ye that are labor and heavy laden. He sections out a group of those that are burdened down. The Jewish teachers of that day and time in which Jesus taught this put upon the people around them, the these Jewish teachers, Pharisees, scribes, all sorts, they put upon the people in their synagogues and in their teaching burdensome rule, not just the rule, and that's the thing, not just the rules of the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, the law of Moses, not just that, but put upon the people the commentaries upon commentaries the traditions of the Father, the traditions over time, built up century after century. Uh, traditions so detailed that if a, the, one of the rules of the Sabbath, I, I, I learned it years ago, it's always been a fascination with me. It was a Sabbath rule that is a tradition of the Father's that if you were home on the Sabbath and you were sitting in a chair and somehow a bird flew under your garment uh, right, uh, uh, right as sun was going down and the sun went down on the Sabbath before you could lift your skirt. You could not lift your skirt to let the bird out because that would be labor and a violation of the Sabbath laws. I'm talking about the minutiae of the Sabbath laws placed upon the rank and file people by Pharisees and scribes and the religious elite, the rabbis of the day, who they themselves tended not to keep those laws, but they loved preaching them to everybody else. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. They have a mask. They wear a mask in front of those people. They, they put these heavy some burdens on the common folk, on the people, but say, it's okay for thee, but not for me. Jesus is... That's who he is talking to here. Layer after layer of burdensome laws and regulations laid upon these, these people. And it begs the question to us here sitting this morning, is your Christianity, is your religion carrying you or are you trying to carry your Christianity? Our faith in the Lord Jesus should be something that lifts us I'm not saying that everything's hunky-dory and roses and we just do whatever that's not what I'm saying at all but our Christianity should be the lifeblood of our life not the chain and the burden and the and the weight that drags us further into the ground Mark's 2 17 they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick who's Jesus talking to he's talking to those that are burdened He's talking to those who are weighted down. He is talking to the sick that need Him. If you come and hear Jesus, Jesus say these words, maybe a rabbi, maybe a teacher would look at these words and say, well, I'm not burdened down. I keep the law. 
I keep the law in all points. When he's not talking to you. He's talking to those that realize they can't carry the burden. That they are labored and broken down. Are you weary and burdened? Here's the invitation. Come to Jesus. This service that he talks about with the yoke and the burden, it's only for those that come to him. Have you come to Jesus? Hear the invitation in this parable. Also, heed the instruction in this parable. Heed the instruction. You know, years ago I was listening to a podcast and it was a podcast about about people that were called coaches of pastors. You know what a, you ever heard of that? There's a, there's a whole branch of service now that is, have you heard of life coaches? Have you heard of, of different kind of coaches? These are people that, that, that have a little bit of experience and, and want to help somebody else pass that along. Well, they were talking about coaching pastors. See, they said in this interview, talking about coaching pastors, that what a pastor's coach does is they ask the right questions of a, of a, of a pastor. They, they probe and ask the right questions. They, they help that pastor get his priorities in line, kind of his to-do list, get it shuffled right, to put the main things that are the most important in there uh, to accomplish, this is what they said, we, 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 we advise them, we tell, we, we, we coach them, we ask the right questions, we help them organize so that they may accomplish their vision. As I listened to that, I kind of scratched my head because I've played for a few coaches in the past before on several different levels. And I want to tell you this, that coaches don't ask you questions Coaches don't ask you, help you organize things. Coaches tell you what to do and you do it. <laughs> they, 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 they tell you, run this slant play or, or run this play over here or do this kind of defense. They give instructions, instructions to be followed. Here is Jesus giving us instructions to be followed. He's not asking questions. He's not, he's not poking around trying to find a soft spot in which he could try to help you. No, he's giving us blatant instructions. Notice the first one, approach Jesus. I, I hate to seem redundant, but I feel I must here. Jesus is giving a command, come unto me. Come unto me. R.G. Lee in his message, The Spirit and the Bride say, come ring out one of the I've used it over and over and over again because it's so eloquent, it's so beautiful in, in how, in the uniqueness of Jesus' call. Listen to what R.G. Lee, the great prince of preachers, said. He, he said, uh, you'll not find in the book of the dead in Egypt. Oh, he said, he said this, note, this word come, he said, you'll, you'll not find it in the book of the dead in Egypt. Zeus, the mighty mythical god of the Greeks, never beckoned them to come. Plato, Epicurus, Zeno, Aristotle in their philosophic journals never invited anyone to come. Think on, think on the stone god of Buddha. Not one invitation for his followers to come unto him. Confucianism, the ancient religion 
of China with its love of learning and its worship of ancestors, never it never calls its followers to come. Islam, who has written its history in blood, slavery, and destitution, it does not invite the weary to rest. It does not invite the heavy laden to ease. It does not invite the suffering to come to the Savior for peace and pardon. None of them say, come unto me. They're all go and do. Go and be. Jesus is the only one that says come. No prerequisites. Come. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Wherever you may be, come to Jesus. No matter how, no matter who you are. I like what Spurgeon said. Listen to what he said. Preaching along these lines. As a mother puts out her finger to her little child and woos it to walk by saying, Come. So does Jesus. With His words, come unto me. Come to Him. It's the approach we should take. Also, we should not only approach Jesus, but we should allow Jesus. He not only says, come, but He says, take. Look at what He says. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Notice he says take. You know, I originally thought, when I read this similitude years ago, I originally saw the idea of a cowboy. That's how my mind works. So how, do I, how do I work it? I always thought about a cowboy, uh, that, that he's trying to bring this wild stallion in to his corral and put a saddle on that wild stallion. But to, to be honest, that's not the right picture here. That's not what Jesus is portraying. We have not been free. We've been in bondage. Bondage. No, the picture here would be like a cowboy. You ever seen them fancy saddles that they use at the horse shows? They don't have a horn. They don't have the big stirrups and the, and the frilly things cut on them. It's a little bitty tiny English saddle. Picture this. Jesus, like, picture the, get this picture. It's like a cowboy with a little tiny saddle, one of these show saddles, and he's putting it on a coal mine mule that has carried load after load of heavy coal and has been beaten to nearly to death night after night after night because he can't go fast enough. That's what Jesus is picturing here. Not that they've been free, but they've been burdened down, broken down. And he's saying, come and take this yoke. The picture here is of a, is of a two in a yoke. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a yoke in action, but maybe you have in a movie, Little House on the Prairie, something like that. They have these two bulls, these two oxen, and they've got a yoke. It's like a piece of timber that goes across the shoulder. It has this wood that they wet and kind of bent. You know how you can take wood, you can actually make it bend. And they put that around the neck of the yoke, around the neck of the oxen, and they put a pin in it to hold it there. And so they, they pull with this apparatus on them side by side. They pull a, a plow or a wagon or whatever. I've never seen them in action, but I've seen, ever, I think years ago I saw in somebody's house that they had an old yoke like that put in their garage or in their den. It's like an antique thing to hang on your wall. 
You know, many of us do the same thing with the yoke of Jesus. We put it on a shelf and for some reason carry all of our burdens ourselves. Our relationship with Christ is not a decoration for our lives. It will do the heavy lifting and the pulling of our sorrows and cares when we are properly yoked up, joined up with Jesus Christ. A lot of us have come, but so many of us do not take the yoke. The approach to Jesus allowed Jesus, also apprehend Jesus. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, and notice this, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Lastly, we're not only to take, we're to come to Jesus, take the yoke, and then learn. Understand Christ. I've heard it said that when a young ox is put to pulling the yoke, that he would be paired with a much stronger a much older ox to learn how to bear the burden. In the, in the way of it, the, the older ox, the bigger ox carries all of the burden. The younger ox is just kind of walking alongside. He's not really pulling, but he's learning how to pull with the yoke. The only way you can become acquainted with the person of Jesus is to surrender to his yoke. Surrender to his service. The yoke, the word yoke was also used to identify a pupil who submitted themselves under the teaching of another. You will never know the meekness, the gentleness of Jesus without submitting to his yoke of service, his yoke of command, his yoke of obligation. You will never know the lowly heart of Jesus, the humility of Jesus without coming under His yoke. Paul, the all-consuming passion of his life was understanding and knowing the yoke of Christ intimately. Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him. You mean Paul, this Paul that wrote inspired scripture that was used of God to dot the countryside with churches, to write the Bible, to, to, to uh, disciple uh, uh, preachers and young men and, and that will go out into the world and change the world. This apostle Paul wrote that I may know him. Did he not know Jesus? Listen, I don't care how old you are as a Christian, how long you've been a Christian, we will never fully understand and know him completely in this lifetime. The Apostle Paul has proved that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, and being made conformable unto His death. Hear the invitation. Come to me. Heed the instruction. Come. Take. And, and, uh, and know. Thirdly, lastly, hope in the intent of this parable. What? is Jesus saying? Now picture in your mind the illustration of that cowboy and the donkey. This donkey's been beat down by people all its life. It's been 
It's been beat. It's pulled heavy loads. And now this cowboy's coming with this little tiny saddle to put on him. What might that little donkey be thinking? What's this man doing? What am I going to have to do? Questions flood the little animal's mind as he wonders what's about to take place. But the cowboy's intentions are good, gracious, kind to the animal. This saddle is the only way that the donkey will see the things that he's never seen before, to do the things that he's never been able to do, and to go to places that he's never been before. Here in our text, Jesus tells us his intent. What is his intent? When he puts a yoke on you, when he puts the the confines of, of, of the grace of God. Remember how that Titus tells us the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly lusts. This yoke of Jesus is a conformity to the Word of God, to the steps of Jesus. It is the conformity of taking up our cross and following Him. What is Jesus' intent in that? What is He trying to do? He tells us here. Notice he talks about rest from our labors. Look at verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse number 29. For I am meek and lowly at heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Rest from our labors. You know, These two verses, verse 28 and verse 29, even though our English translation gives us the same word rest in both of them, they're two different words in the Greek language. Robert Lee in his book Handfuls on Purpose said this, the first in verse 28 is a verb. The second is a noun. The first signifies a temporary rest. One with the view of going on in the journey. The second is more durable and lasting. The first is a gift. The second one is a discovery. I find it interesting that when the first rest, when when the first rest, the temporary rest, is mentioned, there's no mention of a yoke. But the lasting rest for the soul calls for the yoke. Of Christ. The children of Israel, when they wandered in the wilderness, you remember in the Old Testament when they left Egypt's land and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, they no doubt rested. They had a pillar of fire by night to warm them, a cloud by day to shelter them. There was rest in the wilderness, but it does not compare to the rest in the promised land, a place of rest. Here, Jesus is, you know, so many of us experience so few and sparse rests on this journey of life because we will not take the yoke of Christ and rest from our labors. Take His yoke and live in rest. A state of rest. Rest for, from our labors. A will for our labors. Look at verse number 30. For my yoke is easy... And my burden is life. 
one of the manners and customs books that I have said that the yokes were so heavy in that day and pressed down so hard on the animals that they could not bend their necks and the sheer weight of the yoke would cause them to stumble and to fall. That's what Jesus is contrasting following him versus following the teaching of the rabbis and the scribes and Pharisees of his day. They were putting a weight so heavy on them that they would stumble and fall constantly. Jesus is assuring us and assuring them that he, this is not his, this not the characteristic of his yoke. The word easy here indicates that which is good and kind and gracious. The word light indicates not cumbersome, but manageable. It is made up of two words. That word light means push and easy. Or no, push and small. That's it. Push and small. How could a yoke be easy and a burden be light? How can a yoke be easy and a burden light? You want to know why? Because he's carrying all the weight. I'm just close to him. I'm like that smaller bull that's tied in with the, with the strong ox. He's bearing the burden. He's bearing the weight. I'm just close to Him. Haven't you noticed that? When you're closer to Jesus in your relationship, do not the burdens and the difficulties of life seem less weighty in light of His character, of His person, of what He's done for us, of His precious promises? Here we see that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us practically how to bear that yoke, that easy yoke, and that light burden. Here it is. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He's carrying the burden. Is your Christianity hard to bear? I tell you this, you're carrying the wrong thing. There are so many in this day and hour in which we live that are trying to put more and more burden and being more burdensome on God's people. Listen, Jesus says come to Him and He'll carry the burden. He will lighten our load. We can follow Him. Remember, this is to close, parables and similitudes are Jesus' way of expressing His teaching of allowing us to learn of Him. This parable has as its prize and reward to learn of Him. To learn Him. An old hymn written by Eliza E. Hewitt is this way. More about Jesus let me learn. More of His holy will discern. More about Jesus. Well, that's a good prayer for all of us. As we draw in under the yoke of Christ beside Him as He carries our burdens. But so few really mean that, that song when they sing it because they are unwilling to come under the yoke of Jesus and yield their lives to Him. 
they think when I yield my life to Jesus, when I'm yoked up to Him, it's going to be all kinds of extra burdensome to live under that. Jesus is telling them the complete opposite. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know Jesus? I mean, really know Jesus? Have you come to Him as He calls us to do? Have you allowed Him to slip that yoke on you? Yoke of service for your life? The yoke of His following, His following in His steps? The yoke of being near Him? I promise you, it is His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Allow Him to slip the yoke of service over your life by saying, Lord, I want to do Your will I want to fulfill my purpose in this life. I promise you, you can know Him. Know Him in the intimate way in which He promises in this text when we are under His yoke. Know Him. Rest in Him. Know His character. Know His person. Draw nigh to Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. As Jesus found you in that place of exasperation, fatigue, under the weights of this world. You know how easy that happens. How so easily we can be burdened down by so many things. And Jesus calls us to lay the, let Him carry that burden. You just put the yoke on, meaning you're going to be close to Him. You're going to make following Him following Him your pursuit. You're going to be near Him. That's your determination. That's the yoke. And let Him carry that burden for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you for your word. I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us from this word how that drawing near to you will help us unburden so many of the weights in this life. God, help us to do that. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. One verse of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, whether at that seat, at this altar, you respond as God deals with you. 362, I am thine, O Lord. 362, I am thine, O Lord. Let's sing.